Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Layla, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. And we're glad that you could join us. But before we get into the Word, let's take a minute and pray. Lord, we just thank you for another opportunity to get to know you better, Lord, to strengthen our relationship, Lord, and strengthen each other, Lord, and help them, edify them, admonish them, Lord, teach and guide. Lord, we ask that you continue to send your Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us, Lord, in your unique way that you do it, God, and that we're our needs are met, Lord, that we come away filled, Lord, and we can rest in your name and in peace, God, knowing that you care for us and that you have provided to our for our every need, God. And so we thank you for our partners and our listeners, Lord, and for those that are gathered in this room to take part in this podcast, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. Welcome to our morning Bible study and as we continue in Romans. And we're again in chapter 11 and we are going to reread the first six verses. So could I get a volunteer to cover that section of scripture, please? I think I'll volunteer. Well, all right. Thank you, LaCharles. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I, am, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then there is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Other, otherwise, work is no longer work. Mm-hmm. So, there were... Some of you had things to share that we didn't get to cover last time. So, the floor is open for you to share what the Holy Spirit was speaking and ministering to you. And, of course, if anyone has questions, please ask them so we can all learn and grow together. All right? Okay. okay. All right. So who'd like to begin? I will. All right, LaCharles. First, I found verse 2 interesting where Paul was given the example of Elijah and how Paul is basically pointing out in this section is that the Lord always has a plan. He didn't promise the Israelites that they're his chosen people so he can cast them away and become an make a new people and from someone else though he did say that many times in the old testament and how like when moses had a plead with plead with god but you can tell that even though he said it in his heart he was still going to keep them because the i say mindset of man and what we have to offer will not persuade him from doing one way or the other since he already knows what each and every outcome is so you can see that the lord is compassionate and grace graceful 
and has grace to everybody and is not ready to punish us at the first mistake. He's willing to admonish us so that way we can continue to move forward and not just stagnant, but he's not going to beat you outside the head. And you also see that when Elijah said that and how the Lord, how the Lord responded, he didn't admonish him for thinking that he was the only one on the left and that he was, I say, the only one doing his will. He just calmly pointed out that he has other people besides him who are still doing the will of the Lord because what the Lord says will not come back void. And then, and then I found verse 6 interesting where it says, and if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So Paul is saying here is that everything we do in every, if we go into heaven, is on grace. Nothing that we can do is will be enough for us to make it into there. That's why we need Jesus Christ as our Savior. Because if we could have done it on our own, we would have done it. So Paul is pointing out both that we needed a Savior and that you, can, the Lord does not expect you to go try to do all these great works in order to get into heaven. He's reassuring them that it's more so about the goodness of the Lord and how we receive that goodness is what gets you into heaven. Meaning that, like if mommy and dad says, Okay, I'll give an example. If you get in trouble, it's a pretty well-known fact. Don't ask for anything. But if mommy and dad come say, do you guys want to watch the movie? That's them showing grace to us. And the same is true here. It's similar to that. How though the Lord may, admon the Lord may admonish us and tell us what we did was wrong, he's not going to deprive you of good, I sing. So if you did one thing wrong, you're going to live in poverty your whole life. That's not how the Lord works. He gives you opportunities, but it comes to a point where it just has to be sorted out and it needs to be dealt with. So I think that's also what Paul is saying here is that the Lord gives grace when we are following him and actually striving to make an effort towards it. Striving and making an effort towards being perfected in him. And doing what's right. Okay. Are you saying that's the only time he gives grace? No. Okay. But when we think of grace, we tend to think of if we do something wrong and all magically is going to be better. But how when the Lord gives grace, it's because, okay, let's say there's people who, who after they do a sin, they repent. And there's people who, after they do a sin, don't repent, and they continue in that sin. What is the difference? Does the Lord give grace to both? Yes. But only one of them is willing to take hold of that grace and to get back into the alignment of God. The other one says, yeah, Lord, I know you gave me grace, but I'm going to just shove that off and keep on my own path. So I think that's what Paul's saying here, is that we have to take hold of this grace and receive it. Meaning that the Lord offers you the grace, but he doesn't force it on you. Because we no longer have free will. So Paul is saying that we have the free will to accept this grace. And it's not through our works and actions and deeds that get us into heaven. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things there. First, we have to look at grace and mercy. All right? 
What yes. is what is grace? Can anyone give a a, a quick Best definition? definition? I like is unmerited favor. Okay. So, to understand grace, it is receiving something we do not deserve. What is mercy? Not getting something that you deserve. Not getting something that you do deserve. That would be something negative. <laughs> what, what was that, honey? That would be something negative that you do deserve, that you have earned. Exactly. So the consequences of our actions, as it pertains to God, anything outside of it, right? That who He that knows that what's right to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So in other words, it's right there, us sinning, we deserve death. Yes? Because yes. sin, when it reaches its fullness, produces death. Ultimately, that's what we deserve. But he, the Lord, has chosen to give us grace or give us something we do not deserve and withhold the very thing that we do deserve. There is grace and mercy given simultaneously. He's not there striking us down. There are spiritual laws, right? And again, we talked about sin produces death, right? And, and of course, sin's very complicated. Look at Leviticus 26 and look at Deuteronomy 28. Yes? Yes. Okay. It's very complicated. That's why it takes so long to explain. Sin is complicated. Faith is easy. Amen. <laughs> Ultimately, faith and, and obedience, which is what you were getting at when we're obedient. The, those same uh, chapters, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 is, everything that you touch will prosper as a result of our demonstrated obedience or love towards the Lord. That love is demonstrated through our actions, through our obedience, through doing and living what he has commanded us. Yes? Yes. Okay. So, it's not that he's forcing us. He has chosen to give that to us. In your example, both the person that was obedient and the person that did their own thing received grace. Yes. How do we know that? Because the Lord forgave them and that he was willing to... Well. He was come back in. willing to forgive. You said one repented and one did not. But they both received grace and that the one that did not repent wasn't immediately struck down. Yes? yes. Sin had not reached its fullness. It did not produce death instantaneously. And you see that many times, especially in the Old Testament, right? Yes. That is part of the uh, one of the spiritual laws. So we have to understand that. And then, continuing what you were saying, now that we've got that clarified. So, I'd say that Paul is saying here is then, when we are willing to make the effort and go do as the Lord is commanding us to do, then we receive favor. Like Mr. Dean says, the unmerited favor. We each receive favor of God because the Lord does not have any favorites. But it's if we'll accept that and walk into it. It'd be like if I'm going to a football game. If I don't choose to walk on to the stadium. 
walk into the stadium and take my seat, how can I expect to be at the football game? You'd say, that makes no sense. Just go in there. Same shoe as here. He's holding out grace in his hand and saying, here, take it. But then we decide to slap it out of his hands and say, no, and run in the opposite direction. Whereas the person who is listening and being obedient to the Lord says, okay, Lord, I know I made a mistake there. I need this grace so that way I can continue to walk and follow you, Lord. You know, as you're talking with Charles, it sounds a lot like something that uh, Dad and I say to you guys oftenly, oftentimes is everyone receives the same amount of love, but how you experience that love is up to you. So I venture to say everyone that receives the same amount of grace from God, but how you experience that grace, what you spend it on, if you will, depends on you. So if I take the grace that God gives me and I walk in it willingly and I go the direction that God goes, I'm going to see a greater abundance of his blessing and his favor. I'm going to be able to recognize and go, oh, God, there you were. You're so good to me. And we're going to spend our time together moving up and moving forward. And um, me, I will be able to have full assurance and confidence towards God because I know I'm doing the things that are pleasing to him. On the other side, in the same token, the person that chooses to experience God's grace in a uh, sinful way, in a hard nature, they are going to spend their time running away from it. And it'll be God saving them out of situations where they are deserving of death or calamity or something like that. The enemy is lying at the door and its desire is to have them. Right. But God is continually using his grace and his grace and mercy to prevent bad things that they are opening the door to from coming into their life. They still have the grace of God, but they're not going to be able to see and enjoy the fruit and the fullness of the blessing that belongs to them, that God wants them to have because they are not entering into that grace and walking willingly. So God is gracious to all. That's what the scripture says, right? And he's good to all. He reigns on the just and the unjust alike. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. So keeping those those things in their rightful compartment, but also understanding if someone chooses to live contrary to the Lord, like I spent a great deal of my life living contrary to him, even though I knew better. And my time with the Lord was spent going, uh, oh, forgive me, Jesus don't come right now because I'm doing something I should not be doing. So I don't want the rapture to happen at this moment. <laughs> like, and Like you or I or anyone that's that's been in that, that position could dictate the Lord's schedule or what he's going to do or not do. or <laughs> Exactly. But I, I, I would spend my time perfecting my ability to go, Lord, forgive me, as fast as I could. So if the twinkling of an eye happened and the trumpet blew while I was doing something I shouldn't, I wouldn't be left behind. Okay, well, clearly I knew better. But God's grace for me was spent digging me out of pits that I had dug for myself versus now today as I walk with him, his grace is spent opening doors for me, giving me favor um, with both men and with God and his blessing. Now the blessing is on my storehouse. Now the blessing is on my kneading bowl. I'm blessed in the city and in the field. Everything that I touch and set my hands to prospers. Now that's my life. I still mm-hmm. had God's grace. He was still good to me when I was sinful as, as when I was not sinful. He's still the same amount of goodness, but I experience it differently now because I'm willing to accept that I'm walking with his grace, not against his grace. Yeah, I think... For me, I would. I like how you said that. I would add to it that it's. Um, I don't believe you can reject grace. You can reject God, but His grace still covers you. I mean, there's people that aren't 
as you're saying, experiencing it, they don't even aren't even aware that God's grace is doing anything whatsoever. Absolutely. But you don't really reject God's grace. Grace is given, right? There's no one righteous, no, not one. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul goes back into, you, you can't bring human effort into this. So grace has nothing to do with anything of us whatsoever. It's something that God freely gives, dispenses, have whatever you want to say, but it's not a question of, it's not going to exist because you rejected it. You can't well, reject the grace, oh, but no, you can't you, experience it clearly differently. Yeah, and you can't stop his grace from coming, but the Bible does tell us not to frustrate the grace of God. So that denotes that we're resisting him mm-hmm. in some kind of way and not allowing the free flowing and us receiving his goodness. So when we, when he says that to us, and even in the context of when he was saying it to whom he was speaking to, not to frustrate the grace of God means don't do the things you know you're not supposed to be doing and don't be contrary to him because you're not receiving the free blessing that he gave you. And grace falls under that, the free blessing that God gave us. We don't earn it or deserve it. And it's not by our works. God's goodness is there for everybody who will partake of it and who will not. But as you said, you, you know, how are you going to experience it by seeing and going, Oh God, there you are. Yay. Or it constantly saving you out of traps and calamity until eventually sin reaches its fullness and the end is what it is. Mm-hmm. How would that look? You know, that doesn't necessarily only conclude to a, a physical dying, but then the eternal separation from God is the ultimate penalty that Jesus died. So we didn't have to face not only the physical death part and it's permanality. So people still die. We know that, but it's not permanent because we'll be raised again from the dead, right, with him and be resurrected, have a glory, glorified body. We have another life after what we live here with him. But there's also the spiritual side of it where we would be eternally separated from God. So you can see someone live wickedly all their life, right? So they weren't yes, physically yes. shortened or their lifespan wasn't shortened at that time. But then when they do die, when they do leave their natural body, what's the outcome and the end going to be? And that's the primary thing that we seek God concerning. That's the the big goal is to not be eternally separated from him. So I want to, I want to share this. As we were reading this, right. And Charles, you brought this up in verse six, well, five and six, you brought up how there being a remnant, right? And Paul even acknowledges here, at the present time, there is a remnant, right? Let's consider a few things. This is in Paul's time. What was happening in Paul's time, which was, you know, whatever, approximately 30 years or so after after Christ-ish, right? Approximately. And in his time on earth, who was in power? Who was still in power? The Romans? Exactly. And Paul is writing this letter, this epistle, to the Romans. Yes? Yes. yes. Okay. To Rome. And he's talking about the Jews. Yes? He's talking yes. about Christ. Everything is pointing to Christ. But there's also, a, at the present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So I bring up that point. Who was in power? And even in Christ's time, Israel was not in power or in charge over itself as a nation. 
but we also see this historically, right? Especially as it pertains to the remnant. Um, and Isaiah 1, 9, right? He's talking about the remnant that's saved. He says, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. And as we know, those, uh, the Lord came to Abraham himself, right? To tell them what he was about to do. And this, this is key. And we'll see this pattern throughout, right? Mm -hmm. Of all these scriptures that we're about to cover here. Why? Why? And you mentioned, Isaiah mentions two very specific places. And we know what happened in those places. It says in scripture, what happened to them? They were destroyed by fire from the sky. Fire and brimstone. They were destroyed by fire and brimstone. Exactly. Why were they destroyed? Because of the wickedness of the people that were there. Sin. Because of sin. Their sin. Their actions against the Lord. Unrepentant sin. Thank you. Unrepentant sin. So Isaiah here is acknowledging, hey, unless the Lord had left us this remnant, we would have become like them. We would have remained in our sin and we would have been destroyed. But when the Lord spoke to Abraham, he said, should I not tell him what I'm about to do? Because he will teach my children about me. He will teach his children about me. All right. Hold that thought. Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah 15, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah and he says how he won't relent, right? He said, even if Moses and Samuel, this is in Jeremiah 15 verse one, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people, cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And then he, he gives four, uh, I'll read verse two. And it shall be they, if they say to you, where should we go? And you should tell them, thus says the Lord, those or such as are for death to death, such as are for the sword to the sword, such as are for famine to the famine, such as are for the captivity to the captivity. And of course, Jeremiah is dejected. He is distraught, right? And you see that especially in chapter 15, verse 10. But then in verse 11, the Lord encourages him and he says this. It says, the Lord said, surely it will be well with your remnant. Surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and in the time of affliction. Right? So you see, in trial and trouble, the Lord is still the Lord, right? Yes. But let's also hold on to the stop because Ezekiel in chapter six. So Jeremiah prophesied about the captivity, right? We just covered that briefly. Yes? Yes. Ezekiel and Ezekiel's generation is the one that experienced the captivity. Yes? Okay. So in Ezekiel six, verse eight, he says, Yet I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered through the countries. And here, get this, right? Verse 9. 
Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. Because I was crushed by their adulterous heart which has departed from me, and by their eyes which play the harlot after their idols. They will loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring this calamity upon them. All right? So I, I bring those, those points of Scripture up because you see the same pattern. Right? There is a remnant left, and the remnant is always there to point people to the Lord. Right? Yes. yes. To get them to, to repent, to recognize the Lord for who He is. He is God. We are called to be His people. Yes? Yes. Okay. But also to teach everyone else about the Lord. You see this, and it's just a few different places, but you see this same pattern throughout Scripture. The remnant are there to point people to the Lord and to encourage them and admonish them and exhort them and even rebuke them if they have not come into a relationship with the Lord and are serving and following Him. That is the point and purpose of the remnant. And they're also intercessors. Absolutely, yes. Um, to open the door for God to bless the people and have mercy on the people that are outside of His A will. I mean, you can Amen. see that from beginning to end. Intercessors, Abraham um, well, interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah for the people that were there at the very least. Yes, and, and, so and we saw that even in, in Jeremiah, right? Even the enemies will intercede. Yes? yes. So, thank you. That was, a, that was a great point. But the Lord already has this this plan and, and this pattern and this this is already set up. So, we should be encouraging and exhorting and admonishing the people to follow God. And, and Paul is making the connection point here, especially in verse 6. This is how you receive it. It's not because of your birthright and your heritage and all. He's saying, by faith, access to grace that was given. These other people, the Gentiles, found it. But you were given it first. Receive it. Enter that personal, intimate, and deep relationship with the Lord. Obey Him. Serve Him fully. Let Him be your God. You be His people. So it, it applied to Paul then, and it applies to us today. Mm -hmm. And he's still also making the case that God understands where... All people are going to be. He understood where Israel was going to um, be. And he, like we said, we talked about before, these things have been predestined before the foundation of the world. Not that he forced them to, to disregard him, but he took the opportunity and he's using it to bring everyone else in that he wants to bring in and graft into his family that aren't in physically of the um, seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um and the the fourth the foreknowledge and the fore understanding of God and 
you know, I just want to go back to the intercessory part again, because it's so important that he did leave a a remnant because they would open the door for God to show mercy for people who are outside of him for, you know, an extended period of time. And we have an intercessor, an advocate with the father (laughs) who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the Holy spirit and God through his predestined and his divine pathway of the son and the Holy spirit don't cease to intercede on our behalf so that the grace of God is free flowing. And this is an encouragement for us to see the God stream of grace, Mm -hmm. to perceive it and understand, Hey, it's not because I've done it all right, because there's no way you ever could. There's no way any of us ever could, even on our best day. And we never did anything wrong. (laughs) Never, you know, frowned at our neighbor or failed to say hi when the Holy spirit told us, Hey, you should say hi to that person. You should smile at them or whatever it is. Even on our best day, we still need his grace that comes to us through believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing him as our Lord and savior and his blood, death, burial, and resurrection, what he did for us. So just keeping our, our eyesight on that, mm-hmm. we don't earn it. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. We access the Lord, the father by grace and because we love him, we do the things that are pleasing to him, Amen. not because we're afraid of him, not because we think it's going to make our standing better, not because of any other reason other than he's a good God. And it's our due worship to exalt him in the things that we do with and let our nature and our character be transformed to align with his nature and character so that we're like more like him and do our best just because we love him, not because we think it opens an extra door for us, not because we think it makes him love us more. While we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. at our worst condition, Jesus took every stripe for the whole world. He took the stripes for Judas. He took the stripes for everyone that would ever betray him and, and snared and showed him their backside, and including me. And all of my wickedness that I was living in prior to knowing him, he still died with the same fervency with the same fullness with the same compassion with the same strength nothing left uncovered just as though i was already smiling at him and walking with him and honoring him he treated me like that before i ever even knew it was a thing so his grace is without works and we should enter in and just be aware of that amen there's a lot there so Let's pause there and review the scriptures, seek the Holy Spirit to teach you to minister, and um, we just want to give time for everyone to be able to do that, all right? And of course, reach out if there are any questions or if you were ministered to, and we'd love to connect with you. And you can you can reach us through our website at adayofprayer.org oh, or through our email at adayofprayer.yahoo.com. All right. So can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for being able to be inside of your midst and just giving us pure time to worship you. Mm-hmm. Lord, I also just thank you for helping us spread your word abroad so that more people are able to make it into heaven when the time comes. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.